G'day and welcome to Paddock Chat, a West Midlands Group original podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. I'm Simon Kruger, the comms officer at the West Midlands Group. Thanks for joining us for the third episode in our series focusing on positive farmer responses to grasshopper damage and low ground cover within the West Midlands region. While our last two episodes have focused on our members Don Bradshaw and Steel Rudd and their decisive actions and strategic management of grasshoppers, bear patches and ground cover issues arising on their properties in the 2021 season, in this episode, Mixed Farming Systems Officer Melanie Dixon and myself got the chance to sit down and talk with Jeff Moore. So for really a bit of, it's not that different to, um, you know, clearing new, new land. Yes. But the opportunity there is that you could put a pasture mix in, say a cereal pasture mix in to get cover and set up a pasture that will regenerate and be very productive. Jeff is a research scientist at the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development, specialising in perennial pastures, ground cover and livestock feed base. When grasshopper issues first arose in the 2021 season in the West Midlands region, Jeff was a first respondent on the ground with the WMG team and our affected members. Since that time, Jeff has monitored the areas of greatest risk, producing several key case studies investigating the response to grasshopper, ground cover and soil erosion problems from Jinjin in the south to Alanooka in the north and west of the Darling Fault Line. While these case studies did demonstrate some varied actions and success levels from participating producers, Jeff notes that many were proactive in their response to ground cover issues arising. In particular, he highlighted the decisive responses of both Steele and Don, culminating in the forward thinking and positive focus of DeepHerd's current ground cover campaign within the region. In this episode, Jeff has kindly offered his time and knowledge to sit down with us and provide some more background on both producer and DeepHerd's response as well as detailing several key short, mid and long-term tactical and strategic options for dealing with the kinds of ground cover issues faced during the 2021 season. Today I've got Melanie Dixon here, who is our Mixed Farming Systems Officer at WMG. Hi Mel, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, Sam? Yeah, good, thanks. We've been talking for a while now, but that's all right. And then I've also got Jeff Moore here. So, good day, Jeff. Could you give us an introduction to yourself and tell us a little bit about your role at DPER? Oh, thanks, Simon. It's good to be here at the West Midlands Group today, so thank you for the invitation. I'm part of the Livestock Feed-Based Group within the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. The last few years have actually been working a little bit further north in the West Kimberley on irrigated water production for cattle. Mm-hmm. But previous to that, I did spend about well, probably 2005 to 2005 nearly 15, working in the West Midlands, so mainly on subtropical grasses and companion legumes and pasture cropping. So, um, yeah, it's been good to get back this year yeah, and visit some of the producers and, and the area. Back to the old turf, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a, a follow-up episode to the last two episodes that we've recorded over the last few weeks with Steel Rudd and Don Bradshaw, and we've been talking to them about conditions that led to some pretty large bear patches appearing on their properties during the 2021 season. Jeff, if you can give us a rundown of what was causing these problems in your opinion. Yes, Simon, it was quite surprising last year the extent of the low ground cover sandy soils and the bare areas. We're talking, you know, literally thousands of hectares and the seasonal conditions were quite favourable. So what we thought is, as deeper, that we needed to investigate this 
So this year we've actually did a bit of a survey and we did looked at about 12 sites across nine properties. So the area concern is from uh, Jinjin in the south to Alanooka in the north and on the Perth Basin, so west of the Midlands Road. So we're looking at the sandy soils and particularly the poorer sandy soils on the Perth Basin. So what we found from our survey was that a common denominator across all the sites was the high grasshopper numbers. So all the producers were saying there was grasshoppers, not just a few that were reporting, but there was waves of grasshoppers early last season. So that was a key factor. But when we looked into it across a range of sites, there was often also a secondary factor. So these tended to be site-specific, so varied from you know, one farm to another or even paddock to paddock. So some of these factors were like a false break. So some areas had early rains in February and ended up with a major false break. Some guys, you know, said there'd been some overgrazing and that was a contributing factor. And the other thing was that when we took some samples and looked at the seed bank, some of the paddocks had low pasture seed bank. So the pasture seed bank had been run down over time. So that was a factor. So there was grasshoppers, they were a key factor across all the sites, but then there were secondary contributing factors. Can I just ask, Jeff, to your knowledge and the work that you've done in the West Midlands before, had you ever seen grasshoppers in that way before, heard about producers dealing with waves and waves of them, or was that something new? Was that something that really caught your eye? Yes, it was a bit surprising. So, Melanie, yes, as I said, I worked up here, we had, you know, perennial trials up here all year round for about nine or ten years so I knew this area quite well and over that time there was only usually only a handful of paddocks that had low grade cover or bare mainly valley floors with poor deep sands and like with our perennial trials I don't think we ever sprayed for grasshoppers I mean there always a few around there's always a few hoppers around and eating a little bit but really low numbers and not worth spraying for so these high numbers were unusual. Yeah, yeah, so you can imagine why the producers were yeah, up well, in arms last year going, whoa, what do we even do? Well, like Steve said in his, his chat as well, he's like, yeah, you get salt and pepper, it's not, they've always been around. And I guess coming in waves, fast. that's quite yeah. unusual as well, is it? Yeah, so that means just, I think that indicates... I'm kind of that, getting into that, the Yeah, <laughs> that indicates, like, I think the waves indicates really high numbers. Yeah, yeah. And also the history that usually... You know, there's, it's not a big problem, but there, you know, every year you'll find some. Mm. So it's not that surprising that quite a few producers thought the issue will go away and yeah. it, it'll, yeah. and, yeah, we, and really it'll be not that different to other years. Yeah. But as it turned out, it did tend to be different from other years. So I think on top of the grasshoppers, and then we had the follow through from Cyclone Saroja mm. and yeah. the strong winds, a series of strong winds going through. Yeah. Then, then you get sand movement, sand blasting, seedlings, and mm. covering of cotyledons, that sort of thing. So, yeah. all those things end up, and then you, and suddenly it sort of goes downhill quite quickly. Yeah. And then a, a number of producers realise this. So, there's still Rad and Don Bradshaw. There's a podcast with those, so mm. I really encourage everyone to listen to those. Mm. But there were a number of producers who you know realised it was an issue. Mm. And we're really proactive. So that's a really positive thing. So it's not all bad news. And the first thing people would normally do is to sow a cereal mix. Mm-hmm. So some would favour cereal rye, others use triticale, moby barley. Oh, it's a whole range. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a whole mixture. So really to get cover. 
So they would, yeah, just use whatever seed was really unavailable. Mm. You know, a lot of producers saying, what's it in the silo? What, what, what's yeah, available? What put and put it in the ground and get ground cover ASAP. And then later, some guys were a bit later and then they sort of early spring and they realised, well, we haven't got cover and mm. going into go into summer. And they would put in, you know, more summer growing warm season crops like sorghum or millet. Yeah. And so overall, most of the remedial actions were effective. Mm-hmm. That means a little bit of variation on I mean, how effective they were, but yeah, overall yeah. it's a positive step. Yeah, yeah so, so taking you, action is better than Yeah, that's what I was just about to say as well. It's like there's obviously, you know, been those really proactive responses from people like Don and Steele. You know, they've certainly done incredibly well in the circumstances. Can you run us through your thoughts on on the immediate responses to the problem and your advice for the short-term response, is it be proactive? Just do what you can as soon as you can. Make that decision and go for it. Yeah, so Simon, it's a good question. So if you've got paddocks that are looking bare now, then most of the seed, pasture seed will have germinated. So other than those individual plants getting a bit bigger, one thing, of course, is to defer grazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. defer grazing until your ground cover is sufficient. So that's... That's probably the first step. Mm. But if your seedling numbers or plant numbers are low, then you really need to be proactive and so excited to get cover. Mm. And as I mentioned, sowing cereal is, is the easiest step. So whether that's triticale, cereal rye, it doesn't really <laughs> matter that much. It's <laughs> yeah. just getting cover. So, yeah, get in there. And some of the guys have even this year, way back after the March rains, mm. were proactive and realised, well, there's some barriers not a whole, necessarily even whole paddocks, even parts of paddocks, mm. and they would just fill those areas in. But if you take a step back, there's also an opportunity. Mm. So the opportunity is you've got these paddocks with maybe really low seedling numbers, so mm. really low weed numbers, really. Mm. And then the other side of it is the fertility levels are low. Mm. So really, a bit of, it's not that different to... Um, you know, clearing new new land. Yes. But the opportunity there is that you could put a pasture mix in, say a cereal pasture mix in to get cover and set up a pasture that will regenerate and be very productive. Mm. But you probably will need to add some, you know, add the nutrition as well. But you could set up the paddock so it's a productive paddock, so turn it right around. That is obviously going to be a more expensive operation yeah. and you won't necessarily do that over the whole farm mm. or over huge areas, but you could have a plan to turn these paddocks that are quite low production and really just getting cover into really productive pasture paddocks again mm-hmm. in a medium-term plan. So the other one would be really annual cropping, particularly if you're not grazing the stubbles, mm-hmm. is in the short term anyway, whether it's a long-term option, but it's definitely short to medium-term is a very stable land use. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask, sorry, I'm springing questions on you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said earlier, uh, like, let's remove the stock, let's do some confinement feeding. Obviously, that is quite an expensive venture, supplement feeding, and it's something that you know, we'd prefer to use the pastures that we already have. How can our producers know, like, we're looking at the paddock, we're trying to make a decision of if we need to take the stock off, or is there something like a certain percentage of ground cover left, or what helps them make that last decision to take the stock off finally? Well, of course, you know, it's early, nearly early to mid-June when we're making this podcast, yeah. Melanie. So, like now, there will be a range of pastures on the farm. Mm-hmm. So, I would be saying rather than confinement feeding, if you do have perennial grasses or perennial pastures, then you graze them. Mm-hmm. As it gets colder, the quality of those will go down. You know, driving around the region, there's some perennial pasture paddocks which are undergrazed. 
So they should be utilising those. So if you've got those, number one, I would utilise your perennial pastures. Two, there would be, there's almost certainly going to be some annual pastures on your farm which are, are reasonable and, and getting away and, and with the warm conditions growing quite actively. Mm-hmm. So I'd be grazing them second. And then by this stage of the season, probably confinement feeding wouldn't be necessary. Yeah. But as a guide, as a, for wind erosion, the guide's always 50% ground cover. Mm-hmm. Also, with any pasture paddock early in the season, particularly annual pastures, I should say, you want to get your leaf area up. You're really wanting to let those small plants become bigger plants and and start growing really actively. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so what do you need to look out for this season in the West Midlands region if you're noticing some bare ground again like it was in the 2021 season? Yeah, so Simon, what we're asking really all producers in the area to do is four straightforward things. So number one, closely monitor sandy soils for ground cover and especially those paddocks which had low ground cover in 2021. Mm-hmm. Secondly, number two, have a plan to actively manage any areas with low ground cover. The third point is to monitor for grasshoppers. So there are grasshoppers in the area, in the district, so need to be monitoring for those. And fourthly, prepare a plan B if the seasonal conditions change and there is a, you know, a false break or mm-hmm. other things happening. So, and this is really just for 2022, this is... An ongoing, ongoing yeah. an ongoing thing. So those four points. I think a lot of farmers in the area, like, like not too early, have probably got stuff in the ground by now. Mm. I think that they do. You'd hope they're <laughs> almost done with their seeding. Almost done with their seeding at least. So if the strategies that we've talked about, you know, to a certain extent so far have been short-term responses to the issues that were arising, does what we've seen happening with bare ground patches um, over the 2021 season suggest that things are going to get more challenging in the future? Like, uh, what would your advice be for long-term management or mitigation as opposed to just the short-term that we've talked about so far? Yeah, so Simon, we can look at short-term strategies and they're good, but really looking at taking a longer-term approach is ideal. And one of the key factors that happens when grazing sandy paddocks is that there's weak areas in the paddock. So whether they're dunes or low rises, and they tend to bear off quickly and then to graze the paddock fully, then those areas tend to be overgrazed. Mm-hmm. So in the medium to long term, there's like a farm planting exercise where you would fence more to soil type. But there are certain areas within the West Midlands where the soil types are quite highly variable mm-hmm. and it's not really possible to fence the soil type as well. It's not practical anyway. Mm-hmm. The areas are just too, too small and change too quickly. So then if you've got small erosion-prone areas, then a couple of options are claying. So claying those areas and, or secondly, even adding gravel, putting a gravel layer basically adds surface roughness and stabilises those areas. Mm. And then you can utilise the paddock more fully, but they're quite stable. So there are a couple of options. Really with grazing and the sandy soils in the West Midlands, the overall best option really is perennial grasses or perennial pastures. Mm. So well-managed perennial pastures should have year-round full ground cover well being really productive and providing out of season green feed so they're a good option mm. but when we look around the region not all the perennial pasture paddocks sort of they're not all they're not all made equal are they? yeah not all <laughs> equal that's a really <laughs> good point <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like thing so we see that so the really 
you need to get your establishment right mm. because that's the key step. I mean, they can fill in over time, but that's a long-term process and quite slow. So really, it's all about really nailing that establishment. Mm. So really, with your drill runs, you want, you know, full drill rows of plants in every drill row across the paddock. Mm. And that should be achievable if you get things right. Mm. And there's like an establishment package for subtropical grasses, which you can follow. And there's, you know, a lot of leading producers who are achieving that. So that's your bar. That's where we want people to be aiming for. Yep. You know, not one plant per 10 square metres. That's not a perennial pasture. No. <laughs> <laughs> not quite there. For obvious reasons. Okay, the last one is a chunky one. So this whole conversation, I guess, is, is leading me to think of a slightly more large-scale question without a definitive answer just yet. No surprises there, but I'm interested to get your response to the question anyway. And Do you think we're starting to see the effects of climate change in the sense of the seasonal variability, the you know the uncommon weather events like the early breaks and so on? Is, is this climate change or is it something else? Yes, it's often a, a really good question. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, happy, it's a broad question, but the key thing that's happened since the 1970s, which is indisputable, is that the rain the average rainfall has dropped off in southwestern WA. So looking from 1970 to 2022, so that 50 years, you know, there's a drop-off of 20 to 25%. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a real thing, and that's what the producers are having to deal with. And the other thing is there's probably, a, I haven't seen the data on this, but there's a, probably a higher incidence of false breaks. Mm-hmm. So that's also another key thing. So whatever we call it, Farmers have to adapt to the changing climate. Yeah. So I think that's a key thing. So overall, the drop-off in rainfall, not as serious probably in the West Midlands as, mm. as if you're out at Muck and Mood in the, on the edges of the wheat belt, but still a factor and definitely false breaks. So particularly like on the gravelly soils where, you know, subclover is a brilliant pasture, mm. but the reality with subclover is that all of the subclover burr that will soften that soften in a year is, is softened by the end of March. Mm. So if you get a rain, you know, mid to late March, early April, then all of that subclover is going to germinate mm. and you could potentially lose it all. And, you know, you see that reasonably often. So, you know, on the deeper sands where we're talking about with a low ground cover, you know, subclover is not really less, less suited because it's got a shallower root system and really other deeper rooted legumes like cerradella would be better suited. But, yeah, so false breaks are an issue and... It's hard to get around them, although one benefit of the perennial grasses is that it's not a false break for them because they just start growing. Mm. So if you've got a range of... get some, some water, some water. <laughs> Yeah, right, water and sun and warm conditions, they love it. Yeah. So that's... So I think plan moving forward would be to have a range of pasture types to, to cover a range of seasons. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of guys, uh, producers are, are over-sowing cereals to get early early production mm-hmm. in the winter season because you know a lot of like subclover a lot of the traditional pastures are quite slow if you get a, a medium to lo- a late break mm-hmm. so in the cooler conditions so they're quite slow so getting an early production so whether it's sheep or beef you know cut, prices are good use a range of options and and be proactive yeah to have a, a wide range of feed base to take advantage and also to have a resilient system. Yeah, it's definitely been the, the word for, and I talked about it with Dom and I talked about it with Steel as well. They're like two-pronged attack. That was that was Steel and, and Don was like, don't have all your eggs in one basket. It's always mm. like, it's like, make sure you've got... Bit diversity. You've got a bit of diversity. Yeah. And, and things can be used twice or for different reasons. And, you know, just hit it when you've got to hit it. Be proactive as you can and deal with it as it comes yeah. up as well. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. 
the only other one I'd say, and it, you know, driving around the district of Edinburgh and going to a few, quite a few farms, you know, some guys are taking the Tegas Assey out. Mm. But that's largely because those stands are, are old. You know, they're probably planted in the mid 80s to yeah. 90s, so they're 35 years old and they're a bit old and past their best. But, you know, everybody around the sides. Yeah, <laughs> around the sides. But, and often, and then maybe the roast, you know, the alley spacing is a bit close, etc. Yeah. And there's not much in the, in, the, in the interrow. But, you know, they have been a, a really good on these porous sands, mm-hmm. have been a Tegasasti a productive and proven use, particularly with cattle are easy to manage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, you know, producers keep in mind that's another option mm-hmm. and certainly quite resilient in. And they've got very deep root system, much deeper than the perennial grasses. Mm. You know, go down, you know, you have tap roots. Is it true? Go down meters. <laughs> yeah, like the tree. Oh, the trees, the mini trees. They're amazing. So they go down. Tree, yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's another one to keep up the keep up your sleeve. And the other thing, if you've got some really poor soils, you know, you could fence off areas and put trees in for carbon sequestration. Mm-hmm. So in the past, you know, mm-hmm. has been some pines put in. Mm-hmm. In the belly floors, we get these deep sands, but yeah, that's another option. So there's a range of options, and really, really good advice, Simon. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, come here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, awesome! Thanks a lot for that, Jeff. Much appreciated. I'm just gonna get Mel to jump in here because I was thinking, you know, Mel, there's is there any projects that WMG are working on this season and into the future that look at dealing with the kinds of ground cover issues that we've been talking about? Um, here today with Jeff and across the series as a whole. Yes, yeah, so the partial projects at West Midlands Group really come down to the grow more, eat more and leave more philosophy. Most of our projects will fit into that in some way. We have a couple going on this year. So the first one I'll talk about is a winter amelioration project. We've done it a couple of years now and we're doing it again this year. It really works to decrease the risk of wind erosion by amelioration later on in the season. And then we go in there with some species that cover the ground really quickly so we can get that productivity back up even though we're sowing them a little bit later. Mm. And even better is if we put some seed that will regenerate and, you know, get our seed bank up again. Um, Jeff has talked about that a little bit, how important that is. We've got a cover cropping project as well. So cover cropping over perennials. So we can increase the productivity of these perennial pastures and we can also cover any areas where the perennial pastures didn't really get that recruitment that we really wanted. Mm. Yeah, some of those perennial pastures around, some of them are really great, but some of them are great in some spots and then we still have a couple of little bare spots here and there. So if we can get some good productivity and we can cover up those bare spots, it's a win-win really. Mm. Um, and the last one is the Feed365 project. It's in collaboration with Deeper actually and it is a three-year project. We're just trying to look at some strategies for year-round feed production in the West Midlands region. And in particular, we're really looking to close that winter-autumn feed gap that a lot of producers yeah, start to struggle with when, when things go down just before we get back up there again. So, yeah, it really all comes down to grow more, eat more and leave more. And, yeah, we're really happy with how we're going to, to yeah, solve so that ground cover pro- problem. Awesome. I reckon that's, that's about it for today. So, yeah. Jeff, I want to say thanks for jumping onto the podcast and oh, sharing thank- your time and knowledge with us. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Simon and Melanie. My pleasure. Yeah, yeah thank you for coming up. And, and, and Mel, thanks for joining me this time as well. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me again, Simon. That brings us to the end of this Paddock Chat episode. We really hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we've had a great time recording it. Hopefully, you've picked up some useful tips, information, learnt something new or simply stuck around for the chat. I would like to extend my thanks and appreciation to Jeff 
for sharing both his time and knowledge with us. It's great to have him back and working in our region again after some time away, and I'm sure we'll be seeing and hearing more from him over the coming seasons. Be sure to check out the Deep Herd webpage, Stabilising Sandy Pasture Paddocks with Low Ground Cover, for a more comprehensive look at the issues and responses we've been talking about today and during the series. The address will be linked in the podcast details, as well as some other useful links to producer resources kindly provided by Jeff and Deep Herd. As you may be aware, this episode is the third in a series of episodes that focus on positive responses to low ground cover within the West Midlands region, and we appreciate you following along with us. If you're enjoying our content, be sure to subscribe to Paddock Chat and let us know your thoughts via our social media channels. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or feel free to shoot us an email at comms at wmgroup.org.au. As usual, I'd like to thank our sponsors and members, without whom this would not be possible. I'll see you next time for more Paddock Chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on the information provided in this podcast.